Well, we're happy to be with you again today. As has been said, this is actually going to be our last Sunday here officially as the interim pastor of <clears throat> Harbor City. And we hope to be around a couple times a month, probably through the end of the year, something like that. So you won't, we're not going to entirely drop off the scene, but as in terms of the duties that we've had, the, the joy that we've had to be able to serve here, we're coming into a new chapter. And we're going to do something a little different this morning, but before we get into what is different, I'm going to have Lois read for us our scripture this morning from Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, 3 through 6. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a work, good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you. So if some of you have good memories, you may remember that back on March 7th of this year, the first Sunday that that we showed up to uh, take on this role of interim pastor. This was the text that we used on, on that Sunday, Philippians 1, 3 through 6. And the title that particular Sunday was Moving Forward with Confidence. Uh, the title this morning is A Joyful Partnership. So we're going to look at the same passage, uh, but from a little different perspective this morning. To recycle a sermon whenever <laughs> possible. Did you want to say something about the partnership? Oh, yeah, partnership. Um, it's been fun coming back here. We had a, a history with parts of this congregation that went back many years. And what fun to reconnect with those of you who were from the old days. And what fun to meet all the new crowd. You know, you maybe have been here 10 years, but you're new to me. So um, thank you for opening your hearts to us and just making us feel like one of the crowd. So we've enjoyed that partnership. And as we uh, prepare to pass the baton on to Omar and Kate as they, uh, as they show up this week, we wanted to uh, paint the picture of what that continuing joyful partnership might look like. And it's sort of based on uh, the work that we do, apart from what we've been doing here at Harbor, we coach other pastors and pastor wives, um, and we've had the opportunity over the last six years to spend literally thousands of hours talking with pastors and wives about the challenges they face and the joys they face. And we're just going to download some of that to you today from the standpoint of how to make your new pastor and his wife partners in the gospel with you in the sense that Paul is talking about here, this joyful partnership. So we've got an eight-point sermon this morning, but we're going to skate through it. So don't despair at this point. They're all going to be really quick, and, and uh, we're going to just kind of tag team it back and forth here. The first thing that we're going to do that I wanted to say something about uh, to make your uh, pastor's partnership a joy is to, to give them time, give them time, um, time to move in, time to get settled, time to get acclimated to the area, certainly all those sorts of things. But I'm also referring to uh, your expectations as a congregation of Omar as he takes over as a senior pastor of Harbor City. Whenever I have the opportunity to, to coach someone who is in that position of 
of taking over. My rule of thumb that I always use is don't make any changes for six months. Uh, just kind of get in there and learn the church, develop relationships with the leaders, staff, elders, advisors, deacons, all the, all the different leaders in the church as well as the congregation. And here's my experience. The pastors are usually very fine. They're, very, they're good with it taking six months. In fact, often they just kind of say, can I do that? Can I, and, and there's like a sigh of relief that they don't have to hit the ground running with everything all spelled out. I said, no, you, you got to take time to learn. So the pastors are usually good with it, but often it's, it's the congregations that want to press that issue because they uh, want to get the ear of the pastor. Maybe they have a certain thing that they've been waiting for him to hear and a certain direction that they'd like to see the church go. And all I'm saying is give time for all of that to develop. That'll be very important for Omar and Kate as they learn more about the church, about the city, as they get settled in. And I wanted to tell you how to welcome uh, his wife, Kate. Um, the best thing you can do for Kate it, to love her is to love Omar well. Um, I don't know if you have ever heard of him wife or a mom being called a, a mama bear, but when people criticize our husbands and our kids, and or our kids, um, our claws come out. And um, the way to keep those claws from coming out is just to be loving toward him, and, and that will reflect on her as well. Um, to support Kate, go ahead and support Omar, but not in, in obvious ways, but in some of the little stuff, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, on these, you know, I saw these meals. It was great. Faye, thank you for telling us some menu options. Just support them in giving them food that they like. It's very cool. And I know that this is such a, we've experienced your welcoming warmth, and I know that you'll spread that onto them as, as well. And just to expect the best of the coming years. The third thing I wanted to share was to help them understand. Help them understand. And what I... What I mean by that is that when anyone comes into a new area, there's all kinds of local knowledge that they need. And we've, we have people that are working hard to pull together some of that local knowledge that relates to stuff like stores and parks and uh, places to go and things to do in San Diego. So certainly help them to understand those sorts of things because that's critical to just living life. But also what I'm referring to here is to really help them understand how people think and what the values of people in San Diego are, what their priorities are. Omar and Kate have never lived in San Diego. They've never lived in Southern California. They've lived in some incredibly diverse places. So I don't have any concern that they'll do well in adjusting and learning and, and functioning and pastoring in the San Diego area. They'll do that well. But it will take them time to learn and to whatever extent you can help them learn uh, in those things and come alongside them and share the local knowledge that you have of how life works for, for people, that will be a helpful thing for them in their ministry. Yeah, how hard is it to get used to San Diego, right? Uh, my second point, love her kids. Do you want to have love her kids next? Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, so, 
we have a picture of the kids. And this was taken a couple of weeks ago after they had emptied out their house. And it looks like all that is left are two tiny donuts. <laughs> and so I just want to tell you from left to right, that's Lena on the, on the left. She's 11. Elisha is next. He's 15. And when they're standing up, he's the tallest. Um, Asa is seven. And over here is Asher, and he's 13. And kids, did you guys have like an art pack or some way to draw or write today? Raise your hand if you have some writing, drawing materials. Okay, great. One of the prompts on there was maybe to draw something that you like to do that they might like to do. If you can't think of anything, you can draw a picture of yourself <laughs> to introduce yourself, put your name and age on it, and some things that you like to do. Or if you just want to be an all-out artist, you can do a picture of them, draw a family portrait for them. But whatever you draw, I know they'll like it. Um, so if you want to befriend a mom, what's the best way to do that, right? Get to know her kids. Um, encourage your kids, get to know them, pray that they'll make friends here. You've got to think they're probably missing their friends back home. They're missing their, their home. They're probably not missing their school because they're homeschooled. Um, <laughs> and that's my next point. You know, Kate's going to be homeschooling her kids, and that in itself, some of you know, is a full-time job. So respect her workload. Respect her schedule. Respect her bandwidth. <laughs> respect her rhythms. Now, I have noticed personally, I don't know Kate that well, but when I text her, it does take her a while to get back to me. So don't be put off by that. That's her rhythm. That's the way she balances her life. So those are the ways that you can love her by loving her kids. Okay, we're halfway through. How's that? Fast um, sermon. The next thing I wanted to mention was simply to follow his lead. Follow his lead. I have a, one of my favorite sayings about leadership is simply this, that if you think you're leading but no one is following, you're only taking a walk. <laughs> okay? You're only taking a walk. And whenever I use that quote, I usually go on from there to talk about the gift of leadership. And I really do believe that there is a gift of leadership and there's qualities that go into being a good leader and those can be determined and discerned from one person to the next. But in addition to the gift of leadership, there's also what I call the grace of followership, okay? The grace of followership. And what I mean by that is, is kind of what Lois just mentioned. When, when Omar, I'm looking, thinking down the road, when Omar's had the time to think through things and come to, <clears throat> come to conclusions on different strategies and ways to shape the, the life here at Harbor City, uh, it's important that you exercise the grace of, of followership. And I don't mean by that that you all become lemmings and just do whatever uh, Omar tells you to do. That's not how Omar is going to work anyway. Um, but what I do mean is this, that as Omar follows Christ, as Omar senses where Christ is calling him to lead the church, have the grace of followership and, and let him lead. Uh, give him that opportunity when that time comes. It won't come right away, but when it does come, let him lead. Good word. Next, for Kate, on how to love her well, honor her gifts. Um, she will be partnering with, with Omar in ministry, but she has her own gifts, strengths, and interests. And I don't know all of these, 
But if you let her, I guarantee that she may surprise and delight you as you get to know her. Um, she may also disappoint you if she doesn't match up with your expectations. Now, I haven't felt a lot of um, pedestalizing from this church while I've been here. I, you guys are mature enough to know that you don't put your pastors on a pedestal. That's the easiest way for them to fall off is for you to elevate them in that way. So I know that you um, would not be doing that. But on the flip side, just to discover her personality, uh, her temperament, find out what type of um, type she is on the Enneagram. I don't know if you guys are into Enneagrams or Myers-Briggs or DISCs, but those things are all helpful tools to... Um, not to buttonhole people, not to put them in boxes, but to understand and to be able to relate to her. So learn more about her, and you will love her. The next thing I wanted to, to say, and we'll take a little more time on this, but it's simply this, to keep the main thing the main thing. To keep the main thing the main thing as you, as you move forward. And ongoing conversations uh, over the past year and a half that I've had with the pastors that I coach and other pastors that have called in just to connect and talk about ministry, there have been two themes that have emerged that I would say they're universal. I can't think of any of the people that haven't expressed these two things. And here they are. Number one, all of them are exhausted. And number two, <clears throat> that I can't think of any of them that were say, would say we are thriving. They're exhausted and they're not thriving. And that's a pretty serious thing when you think about the leaders in the church coming to that place in ministry and that place in life. And when you ask the why question, I think that there have been some, some very interesting articles that I've read recently about that, but just in my own experience, in my own conversations, it really has to do with the fracturing of the church, the fracturing of the body of Christ in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and the result is that one way or another, the main thing doesn't stay the main thing. Something else is elevated to the main issue other than the gospel. There's any number of things. I, I think there's like, you know, in my mind, there's eight or ten pretty major issues that threaten the gospel in terms of becoming the main thing and the main focus. For some people, it would be uh, ethical issues such as abortion or immigration, your views on, on race or sexuality. For other people, it's the political climate that we've been in. Uh, a political ideal that you might have, or um, the way we've, we've tried to deal with the health situation over the last year and a half with the COVID protocols and all the, all the things that we've been asked to do and required to do and masks and vaccinations. And it just seems like all of these things eventually make their way into the church and the church can become a flashpoint for those things. And, and what happens when it becomes a flashpoint is, is this, that it's not just for these pastors what their position is on these things. It's not just their position on it, but it's whether 
They've assigned to each of those issues the right priority, and they speak with it the appropriate, with the appropriate amount of passion from the perspective of those who want to make those things the main thing. And that's just a recipe for, for disaster. I want you to listen very, very carefully to me because I want to say that the gospel certainly speaks to every one of those issues. There's not one of those issues that the gospel doesn't have something to say about. Uh, but it doesn't speak about them always in the way that our culture demands and our culture dictates. Because our culture, the rhetoric of our culture is this, and it's just intensified over the last year and a half, that you have to choose one or the other. It's an either-or discussion on almost all of these issues. Uh, and the, the challenge is this, that the gospel often doesn't allow us to just say either-or. The gospel, in fact, most often says both and. And if we allow ourselves to be squeezed into the demand of the culture, if we cater to that rhetoric that, that wants us to say one thing or the other and to say it with the appropriate amount of passion, what's going to result, friends, is that we're going to lose sight of the main thing. We're going to lose sight of the gospel. And the gospel is that Christ offers hope through what he has done with his life and his death. He offers hope to all the brokenness that's in the world. Every single one of these things Christ offers hope for in one way or another. But don't let the brokenness crowd out the gospel and crowd out that message. Keep the main thing, the main thing. Yes, and as we come to um, my final point is just to pray for Kate, Omar, and the family. Prayer is the biggest gift you can give. It's not a small thing. Um, it's not an insignificant thing. It's the most important thing, and it ties in with the main thing. Um, just to pray for one another. Um, as they move here, anybody in ministry has a target on their back. And I was looking up online to see the picture of the target dog. Has anybody seen the little white dog that's the image for a target? And he's got, um, is he a bull's, he's, He's got a bullseye on his eye. And, you know, he's all white, and there's big red bullseye on his face. And I, I liken that. I picture that as we, as we in ministry and all Christians, Christ followers, have a target on our back. And um, as Omar mentioned a few weeks ago, I would just say that they're living on the edge. We're living on the edge. We're all living on the edge, but people in ministry especially. They're living on the edge, the redemptive edge. It's where the kingdom of darkness meets smack up against the kingdom of light. And when you are living on that redemptive edge, you are vulnerable. You are a target, and there is somebody out to get you. It's the enemy. He roars about as a lion, seeking people to devour seeking who he can devour. And our job is to pray that he won't devour our new pastor, his wife, his family, his kids. Uh, I don't know if he has a dog, if they have a dog. <laughs> but, but by coming here, it's not just a nice move, not a nice new job, not a nice new city. Oh, let's go to SeaWorld and the zoo. Um, coming here, they are going into battle. 
and that's a little bit serious. I know I'm getting serious on you. Um, so that's why prayer is crucial. It's not optional. Um, it's not insignificant. And we are told to pray always with thanksgiving. Pray for them to be protected and equipped. Um, I wanted to go to Ephesians 6. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against, and it lists all the principalities and the powers of the world, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So these things are invisible, but that makes them no less real and probably makes them more real. Um, verse 13, therefore, therefore put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And with this in mind, um, be alert and always keep on praying. For the Lord's people. Our text this morning in Philippians 1 ends by saying that Paul is confident of this very thing in the life of the Philippians, that he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work. Uh, the work that the Lord began here at, at Harbor City goes back over 20 years ago, and it... it uh, the Lord worked through different pastors over that period of time. We've just been here this, this short period. But now the Lord is giving you the gift of a new pastor and Omar and, and Kate and, his, and their family. And I just want, we just want to encourage you to be careful as, as God has given you that gift. Treat them with care. Love them. Encourage them. As Lois has said, pray for them. Uh, and when you do those things, if you do, you're not only going to bless them, but the writer of Hebrews has this interesting way of, of putting it. He says, follow your, your leaders because in following your leaders, you will benefit. You will benefit because you will make their work a joy. And that's what we look forward to seeing, just how the partnership that you all have with Omar and Kate as they, as they show up and begin ministering here will become that kind of joyful partnership that, that we, we've experienced with you way back and we've had a taste of it again for these six months, uh, but we want them to feel that same thing as, as the church moves forward. So let me pray for them and we'll uh, move on in our service. Lord, we thank you today for the gift of Harbor City, we thank you for all that we've been able to <clears throat> see your hand at work doing uh, through the years, all the iterations, all the chapters of the ministry here. We thank you for each one. And we thank you for this upcoming chapter as Omar and Kate arrive in San Diego with their children. And we pray that you will bless them. We pray that you will strengthen them, that you will refresh them, that you will make their transition an easy one, but Lord, that you will, you will significantly use them in making this church everything that you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And as we welcome the Ortiz family, Holy Spirit, be stirred up in our hearts. May we have ears to listen. May we have hearts to love on them. May we have words to encourage. And may we always point each other to Jesus in your powerful name. Amen. Amen.